Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. You know, you have the opportunity to be a part of a church that preaches the gospel. Now, listen to me. That's meaningful because not every church preaches the gospel. You ought to be able to invite somebody to come to hear your pastor preach or be at a church event and know, number one, that you're not going to be embarrassed by some craziness, and number two, they're going to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Now, that's, that's meaningful. That's wonderful. But I'm afraid that sometimes we in good churches have allowed that to become a substitute for us talking to people about the Lord Jesus out where we are. In fact, sometimes I think we've gotten pretty good at inviting people to church but not inviting people to Christ. It's really a cop-out. Come to my church. My pastor will tell you how to be saved. Wait a minute. If you're saved, you have not only the ability and the, the privilege, you have the responsibility to tell other people how you came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you can remember the person that told you about Jesus? I'm just curious. Would you raise your hand? Good. Now, who would have just raised their hand and thought of you? Is there anybody that in this room that would have raised their hand and said, that man brought me to Jesus, that, that lady led me to Christ, that family stayed after me till I came to know the Lord? You see, we've got to get back to having conversations about Christ. That's part of the reason that I had you share your faith with somebody a moment ago. And I know it's a little uncomfortable for some people, but it gets us out of our comfort zone, doesn't it? Old Lester Roloff, an old Tommy evangelist, used to say that a rut is just a grave with both ends knocked out of it. It's death. So what I'm trying to do is help shake you out of your rut a little bit to say, now, wait a minute, what's going to be different out of this meeting about how we're going to share Jesus Christ with other people? With that in mind, I want you to open your Bible with me to the New Testament. We've been in the Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament, if you will, to the book of Acts. Oh, what a great book the book of Acts is. It's a book of action. And what action? It's the action of a church filled with the Holy Spirit that wants everybody to know about Jesus. And this is, this is an example for all of us. We ought to be a church of action. You ought to be people of action. And the greatest action, of course, is the action of getting the gospel out. Look at Acts chapter number 8. And I'm just going to read the story. I'm going to read the story, and I'm not going to stop. I, I want to, but I'm not going to pause any point in it. I'm going to read the whole story because it's one of the greatest stories in all the Bible on how to share your faith, and it is powerful. And then when we get done, I'm going to give you some things to write down. Look at verse number 26. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise. And go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near. And join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him 
and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the Scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest, with all thine heart thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Would you look at me just a moment? You're not only going to meet Philip in heaven. (laughs) You're going to meet this Ethiopian man in heaven. We don't even know his name, but Jesus does. Matter of fact, he wrote it down in the Lamb's Book of Life. He's there now. We're going to meet this man in heaven because God used one person to reach one person and bring him to one person who is Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, let's do something. Everybody take your pen. And in verse number 27, I want you just to mark a man. He arose and went and behold a man. Just one guy. Not Somebody said, I can't win the world. All right, don't win the world. Win somebody. Somebody said, I can't tell everybody. No, but you can tell someone, a man, an individual. And then come down to verse number uh, 34. He's asking Philip, he said, who's he talking about? Who's the prophet talking about? Of himself or of, mark this in your Bible, some other man. And by the way, who was the other man? That's Jesus. He said, oh, yeah, this is some other man. Let me tell you who the other man is. His G is Jesus Christ. But then sandwiched between the man who is the sinner and the man who is the Savior, there's, look at verse 31. And he said, how can I accept, watch please, some man should guide me. Did you ever see that God put this man between the sinner and the Savior? In other words, God called on this one witness stand as a go-between, if you will, a witness to point this one man to God. And here's the little thought I want to give you tonight. I want you to underline it in your Bible right there in that verse. Some man should guide me. And I want to talk to you about how to guide people to God. We use a lot of terms. We say, you're a witness. I like that word. It's a Bible word. We, we say, would you be a soul winner? That comes from he that winneth souls is wise. Or we may say you're, you're a testifier. We talked about your testimony a moment ago. We may say you're a preacher of the gospel because though you may not preach a sermon, you're telling people about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But let me give you a different expression tonight. Would you write this down? God wants you to simply serve as a guide. A guide. Guiding people to God. Now, the interesting thing about a guide is you can't guide somebody somewhere that you haven't been. So you've got to know him. You've got to know where to find him. You've got to know how to guide someone to that point. But your job is very simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overthink it. Don't make it harder than it is. Your job is very simple. Your job is simply 
to guide somebody to Jesus Christ. When we get done tonight, I'm going to ask every believer in this room if you'll take a challenge. I'm going to ask you to make a definite commitment tonight. See, look, this is not about knowing more. As a matter of fact, can I tell you the most dangerous thing that could happen tonight? You sit in here for two hours and take down really good notes and learn some things and do nothing with it. And I'm going to tell you why that's dangerous, because you're going to be accountable for everything you just learned. You know who the most arrogant human beings in the world are? At least in the church. People who always win Bible trivia every time. Do you know why? Because they got all the answers. Heard all that before. And Paul said it like this, knowledge puffeth up. We're not, we're not in here tonight for knowledge's sake. We're in here tonight for action's sake. What are we going to do out of this? Who are you going to guide to God? I'm going to give you several things to write down, and I want you to write them down, and we're just going to walk through the passage. So keep the passage in front of you. We're going to walk through the passage, and I want you to make the notes. Look at verse number 26. The Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip. I I had this thought, Pastor, a moment ago when I read that. I don't know that I've ever even thought this before. But why didn't the angel just go tell the Ethiopian? You know what the word angel means? Messenger. And yet, isn't it significant that God did not send his messenger to the Ethiopian? He sent his messenger to the Christian and told the Christian to tell the Ethiopian. Somebody said, wonder why that would be. Watch, because only a saved person can tell somebody else how to be saved. The angels desire to look into these things, but they've never experienced redemption. Do you understand how blessed you are that you've had your sins forgiven? So the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go. Would you circle the word go? Uh, By the way, if you come back down to verse number uh, 29, uh, what does he say again? The Spirit says again to Philip, what's the first word? Go. It's where he always starts. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The hard thing is not giving the gospel. The hard thing is shaking us out of our everlasting mediocrity and nominal Christianity out of our comfort zone so we'll actually talk to somebody. I wonder what it's going to take, honestly, to shake some of us loose, to get some of us out of ourselves enough to realize somebody's destiny is determined by this. Heaven and hell's on the line here. You say, well, I'm a little, I, I get embarrassed and I get tongue-tied, and I don't know what to say. Wait a minute. If you knew somebody was going to die in the next 24 hours and spend eternity in hell, could you figure out something to say? Because that's what we're dealing with, a world that is perishing. And so where does it begin? Arise and go. Would you write this down? Just write this word. Number one, alertness. If you're going to guide people to God, number one, there has to be some alertness. I think it's beautiful that God chose a man who was already engaged in the Lord's work in the local church. As a matter of fact, I wish you had time to study the previous verses with you, but Philip, he's been witnessing and bringing people to Jesus and seeing good things happen. And by the way, I know who I'm talking to. I know who I'm talking to tonight. I'm talking to the Sunday night crowd. I'm talking to the people that were interested enough to actually come to a session like this. And I'm saying to you, if you will be the Christian God wants you to be and you will be connected to this local assembly and you will serve God right where you are, God will use you. The hard thing is not being used by God. The hard thing is staying usable. Just staying in a place where we can be used. Let me ask you, if God came through this town looking for one believer that he knew he could count on to share the gospel with some lost soul tonight, would he choose you? Do you think the Lord who knows everything would know if he prompted you, you'd obey him, and tonight you'd make a beeline for the sinner? Because we need to get some people alert. I mean, look, we're sleeping through the harvest here, friends. 
Look at it, please, very carefully. The Bible says the Spirit spake. Now, I'm not trying to be weird here, but I want you to know the Spirit still speaks. I've never seen a vision in the middle of the night. I've never heard a big booming voice. None of that, but I want you to know there have been many times in my life that the Holy Spirit has prompted me about something. Do you know what the, you know what the expression walk in the Spirit actually means in the New Testament? Walk in the Spirit. It literally means to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. So watch, please. Stride for stride, step for step. When He moves, you move. When He stops, you stop. So to walk in the Spirit simply is to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Let Him set the pace. When God says go, oh, I like this. He's not telling you to go without him. He's going with you. We must be alert enough to say to the Holy Spirit, you just speak to me. Look, if you'll learn to listen to the Holy Ghost, you'll be able to speak to anybody. Get in tune with the Lord. We're we're more in tune with Fox News, excuse me, than we are heaven. And you listen to me now, church. Political commentary and conservative opinion is no substitute for the gospel of Jesus Christ. This world needs more than more reporting on what they already know. They need to know the God they do not know. And those of us who know Him have to be alert enough to tell them. Do you hear the music in here right now? Everybody listen. Beautiful. Listen to it. Somebody said, he's either lost his hearing or he's lost his mind, one of the two. Oh, no, it's here. If you bring me a radio right now and let me tune the dial, somebody say, oh, oh, I know that song. Somebody else say, we recognize that voice or we listen to that station in the car. Watch, please. The music is already here, but you got to get something on the frequency to receive it. I want you to know there's a God in heaven. He is at work in this world, and he's just looking for some people he can talk to who will get on his frequency. Are you a wide-awake Christian? Are you alert to what God is doing? Or are you bogged down with the details of life? There was an openness to this man. Uh, Look at it, please. There was an obedience to him because the Bible says, go and look at the next verse, and he arose. Don't you like that? He just did it. Are you willing to obey whatever God tells you to do? Are you willing to obey immediately? Uh, Look at his willingness. He is leaving a city where big things are going on, and he's going to a desert. If I said to you, I want you to, I want you to get up from this glorious setting, we're all having a good time tonight, and I want you to go to the nastiest part of this city because there's somebody there right now that needs to hear about Jesus Christ, and you knew God wanted you to do that, would you be willing to do that? And we all would like to say yes, and yet why don't we do that more? You think the Holy Spirit only speaks on Sunday? He only speaks to the preacher? No, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and He wants to lead you, but there must be an alertness. Here's a second truth. Would you write down the word appointments? How many of you believe in divine appointments? Do you believe in divine appointments? I believe there are appointments God makes for us. I've missed a lot of them. I really have, but I don't want to miss any more. Look at the passage again. The Bible says, In verse 27, he arose and went, and behold, I like that word, behold. Look, he's just there. He's just right there. Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. This struck me. He has been to the place of worship, but he didn't find God. There's a whole lot of people that go into places of worship and leave without God. 
one of your good men stopped me out here a while ago. By the way, I've had a couple people today stop me and say, I'm going to tell you how I got saved. I like that. I really like that. It tells me something. One of your good men stopped me out here a while ago. He said, I'm going to tell you how I came to God. And he told me about growing up void of religion for a while and then an empty religion for a while, but somebody had to give him the truth. Somebody had to guide him to God. And I want you to know God's made some appointments for every last one of us. And, and look, you can't witness to the wrong person. Don't get me wrong. Everybody needs the gospel. God loves all people. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus died for every man. You can't give the gospel to the wrong person. But I do believe there are people that God has worked to prepare. It's like Lydia, whose heart the Lord had opened. And I love this. When you and I get in tune with God, God connects us with them. He prepares you and he prepares them, and then he makes a connection. Let's get real practical. You ever wonder why somebody pulls up next to you at a gas pump? Seriously. I pulled up next to a gas pump the other day, and these two fellows over there uh, <laughs> fussing around and, and talking about lots of things. My wife was in the car, and I had the, had the door open, and, and she was laughing about it. And uh, I'm listening to them talk, and the battery was dead, and they had to jump the battery, and they're talking about all kinds of things, a couple of redneck guys. And uh, I got ready to get back in the car, and the Holy Spirit convicted me. And I thought, here I have stood right here and pumped my fuel and listened to them talk, and I got gospel literature sitting right there. I mean, sitting right there. And I grabbed a couple of them, and I walked over, and I said, hey, fellas, I said, I want to give you something encouraging to read. It's about knowing Jesus as your Savior. I wish you could have seen how quickly those men were open to a conversation. You ever wonder why God puts people in your path? Why would you get that waitress? Why did that person transfer into your job? Why did God give you that house and that subdivision? Somebody said, I worked hard. Well, who gave you the power to work hard? Who gave you the house? Somebody said, I'm a wheeler and dealer and I got a deal. God gave that to you. Don't ever forget that. And God gave you that neighbor for a reason. We got to start seeing people like God sees them. This little gospel track that I, I wrote a couple, three or four years ago, right after I went into evangelism, it's called Would You Like a New Start? It was, it was birthed out of a divine appointment. I didn't plan to write a little gospel track. I was preaching outside of Atlanta, Georgia one night or a Wednesday night. We had a sweet meeting, and after the meeting, the pastor said, let's go get something to eat. And we went to a local restaurant, and we walked in about 10 minutes before they closed. Don't you know people hate that? I felt bad. I really did. We were some of the only people in the place. And the waitress came. I'll never forget her. Bless her heart. She'd had a hard shift. You could tell. And she came, and she had that look on her face, you know. And I said to her, I want you to know something. We're going to be quick, and we're going to tip well, and we're going to be the best customers you've had all day. She cheered up. And nobody in the place, and she's getting our drink order, and she comes back, and she starts talking about something, and you could just tell she was a seeker, something in her. She wanted to know where we'd been. We'd been to church. You go to church? No, sir. No, sir, just moved here. We, we don't go to church anywhere. I don't know what made me say it. I don't know that I'd ever even said it to anybody before other than the Holy Spirit prompted me. I said to this, this young waitress, uh, late 20s probably, I said, you ever think you'd like to get a new start in life? Immediately she started weeping. Weeping. She knelt down next to the table. Boy, that was providential. 
She knelt down, and she said, sir, I don't know who you are. And she said, I know you don't know me. She said, but my son and I, we just moved to this city. We don't know anybody. And she said, we're having a hard time. She said, I'm working, trying to make ends meet for me and my son. And she said, we need a new beginning, and that's why we moved here. She said, I think that's what I'm looking for. I said, did you know there was a, there was a woman in the Bible just like you? And her eyes got big. She said, no. I said, oh, yeah, there was a woman in the Bible just like you. And one day, about mealtime, uh, Jesus started talking to her at a well and told her how she could have a new start in life. She said, that's fascinating. I said, well, let me tell you about it. I just used that Bible story. I didn't even have my Bible with me. Just used that Bible story. Talked to her about Christ. And do you know in a matter of about 10 minutes, she bowed her head and asked Jesus to be her Savior? Now, I'm going to tell you what I think. I'm going to tell you what I think. I don't remember what I preached that night at that church. I don't remember anything that came out of that service. I think maybe God took me all the way down there to meet that waitress and point her to Jesus. I say to you again, God is a God of providence and sovereign will, and the Lord makes divine appointments for us. And we must be alert, and we must look for the appointments. Number three, would you write down the word approach? Oh, this is so important. How do you approach a sinner? Isn't that the hard thing, (laughs) just getting started? Where do you begin? Well, let's take the example. I think all things in Scripture are for an example, so look at it, please, in verse 28. This man was returning and sitting in his chair. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Now, that was God's preparation. Look at verse 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Would you write this down? You've got to follow the Holy Spirit's prompting at every step. Not only to know who to speak to and when to speak, but also what to say. I'm going to tell you something that I am not a proponent of, okay? I am for teaching people how to give a logical presentation of the gospel. But I do not like this idea that we just teach, you know, memorize this, and then it's almost like push your nose and recite it and pull your ear and stop it, you know, like you're a robot. You should share Jesus from your heart and from the Word of God. And with every person, it's going to be a little different, your approach to them. But I love this. Look at it carefully. He says in verse 29, go near. That's significant. Go near and get close to this man. Look, if you want to win people to Jesus, you can't do that from a distance. Jesus didn't make disciples from a distance. He, he came and dwelt among us, right? And so you got to build friendships and you got to build relationships. And for the record, you got to put away all bigotry and prejudice. Who was this man? He was an Ethiopian man. This is a man from a totally different ethnic background, and yet there's not a single word that that meant anything to Philip. I'm going to tell you, he didn't mean anything to God either. Not only that, he was from a different economic class. Now, usually when I say that, you think I'm thinking of poorer people, but I'm going to tell you some of the people who get neglected in our world are the people with wealth because we think they're not interested. I came to tell you some of the wealthiest people are some of the most hungry people for the truth. What would have happened if Philip had said, he's not interested? You ever look at somebody and just by their looks think they're not interested? We've all done it. I remember years ago, Morgan and I, Morgan's almost 21 now. We were walking hand in hand through a mall. She was about four, I guess, something like that. And this fellow's walking towards us. Oh, I could see him now. I could see him now. He, he had all gothic clothing on. He had paint all over his face. He had piercings from head to toe. He had his hair spiked in about 10 different directions in at least 20 different colors. I mean, you've seen the same fella. And I'm thinking now, walking through that mall like only a dad can, dear Lord, please don't let her say anything. You know what I'm talking about. 
And we got almost where he was. And she looked at him and looked at me, and she said, Daddy, what is wrong with that guy? And I moved her along very quickly. We moved right on. And I started to say something smart. I looked to her. My first inclination, I, I was going to make some little snide remark about him. And the Holy Spirit just wore me out. And before I could open my mouth, the Holy Spirit said, I'll tell you what's wrong with him. You tell her he needs God. He's searching. He's a hurting soul. He's a sinner like you are. Well, what does Galatians say? In Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. All this talk about equality today. You want equality? Come to Calvary. That's where the ground's level. We're all sinners, and we all need Jesus, and Jesus will save anybody that comes in faith. The love of God cast out all that, you see. So look at the approach. Now, look at the approach carefully. The Bible says in verse 30, Philip ran. Dear Lord, give us some people like that. He ran. And I'm not going to miss this moment. Let's get after it. You're not hesitant. There's no tentativeness here. He runs to him. And when he gets there, what does he do? Well, he begins where the man is. He, he listens to him for a minute. He hears he's reading Scripture. That's interesting. But he asked a question. By the way, write this down. A good place to start with people is ask questions. Don't tell them something. Ask them something. Let them talk and learn to listen. Find out where they are. And his first question is this. Understandest thou what thou readest? Would you write this down? The goal of every guide must be understanding. It's not just you gave them a track or you said something to them. Did they get it? Did they understand it? The Holy Spirit has to work to illuminate truth and, and lead them. He really is the one who guides us into all truth. But we're working with the Holy Spirit and obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit to help them understand. Understandest thou what thou readest. And look at verse 31. And he said, how can I accept some man should guide me? Do you know how many people out there right now are looking through a Bible just trying to figure it out? Matter of fact, during this, during this global pandemic, do you know how many Bibles have been sold in America? They tell me in some places, bookstores are running out of them. Why is it? People are searching. They're trying to figure it all out. And, and you know what everybody wants to know right now? Is this the end of the world? I mean, is this, are we near the apocalypse? Is, is Armageddon coming? Somebody said, well, I don't know how to answer that question. You missed the point. That question leads to a different answer. Bring them to Jesus. And so he says to him, come up here and sit with me. I don't you love the picture? Here's this Ethiopian eunuch, and he says, come up here and sit with me in my chariot. So here they are, two of them, sitting in the chariot together. In verse number 32, the place of the Scripture which you read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. Would you write in the margin of your Bible Isaiah 53? I don't have time to take you there tonight, but you can read it for yourself. Of all the books he could have been reading in the Old Testament, he's reading Isaiah about Messiah. And of all the chapters in Isaiah he could have been reading, he was reading Isaiah 53. Don't you know that was the Lord? You know what Isaiah 53 is all about? It's all about Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. Let me give you a couple of practical suggestions. Would you write them down here about our approach? I would recommend that you use one simple gospel scripture. Now, you may memorize many, and you may have many on hand, but I'd recommend, you may take John 3.16, you may take John 4, uh, but I would recommend that you, you adopt some gospel passage that you, that's yours, that you can memorize, that you're well acquainted enough with, that even if you don't have your Bible with you, you could explain one great gospel verse. 
Look, if I don't have my Bible with me, I can still talk about, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Do you understand? Use the Bible. Use the word of God. It's not your words that convinces the word of God has power. Now watch it, please. Keep reading. He's reading in verse 32 and verse 33. Verse 34, the eunuch starts asking questions. I pray thee, of whom speak of the prophet this of himself or of some other man. And so what's he doing? He's leading to the next stage. Would you write down another word? Not only do you have alertness and appointments and an approach, but number four, would you write down application? Look, it's all just facts and information till it gets personal. It's got to get personal. And Philip makes it personal. Look at verse number 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture. I really like that. Start where they are. Move from the known to the unknown. For some people, you've got to back all the way up to there is a God. There is one God. He created the world. But wherever they are, start there. Begin at the same Scripture and underline this in verse 35. He preached unto him who, church? Mark it. He preached unto him Jesus. The one thing you've got to get across is who Christ is and why he came. What think ye of Christ? Make a beeline for Jesus. You've got to refuse to be sidetracked from anything but the gospel. Do you know how many times I've been trying to witness to somebody and in the middle of the conversation they've said, well, let me ask you a question, preacher. What do you think about... It's totally off the subject. You know what I do to those people? I say, that's a great question. Matter of fact, let's come full circle back to that question in just a minute. Let me answer, finish what I'm doing here, and then we'll come right back to that question. You know what I've discovered? Usually, once they come to who Jesus is, that answers all the other questions. There is a beautiful simplicity in Jesus Christ. Talk about his death. Talk about his burial. Talk about his resurrection. But explain why he did that. He didn't just die. He died for your sin. He didn't just rise from the dead. He rose again for your salvation. So you're dealing with a matter of sin and you're dealing with a matter of salvation. What are you doing? You're making it personal. My pastor used to say, nothing is real until it is personal. It's application. Spurgeon said the sermon doesn't even begin until the application begins. So what are you doing? You're applying the gospel message to their life. Just today, just today, I had this thought. I've never studied this out, and I'm going to. But I thought about how many parallels there are in this story to Jesus and the woman at the well. Different background people, people that some would have shunned or stayed away from, yet people that were searching, people with questions, people that could have easily been sidetracked, and yet they're brought back to one message. What is it? You need Jesus. Write down another word, would you please? You have the alertness and the appointments and the approach and the application. Get one more. Number five. Appeal. We say to preachers, preach for a decision. Well, I want you to know when you witness, you witness for a decision. You're, you can't make anybody get saved. You can't get saved for them. But you can bring them to the place where they either accept or reject Jesus Christ. So look at it, please. He preaches Jesus to him. Verse 36, uh, the, the eunuch says, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Can I ask you a question? Who told him he needed to get baptized? It's interesting to me. He must have, during his time in Jerusalem, seen or heard something going on about these Christians, these believers getting baptized. And so he equated it with, if I get baptized, then I'm a Christian. There's a lot of confusion around religious things, and there's sincere questions. Somebody's got to guide them. 
Oh, don't you love the answer? Here's the great appeal. And Philip said, if. If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And oh, what a confession. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Look, we're not after church members. We're looking for believers. We're not just looking for decisions. We're, we're looking for disciples. That's what we're looking for. We're not just looking for people who sign on the dotted line. We're looking for people who say, I want to know Jesus Christ. And I want to say to you that when you share your testimony, when you give the gospel, when you share a portion of Scripture with somebody, when you answer questions, you should always be leading them. Guides, go somewhere. You should always be leading them to a point of decision where you can then say to them, would you be willing to put your faith in Jesus? Would you be willing to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself and be saved? In other words, it's very simple. You're, you're not talking about many things. You're coming to one thing. Actually, you're coming to one person. You're coming to who Christ is and why they need him. I love the end of the story. I really love it. It's like, it's like just one of the Lord's beautiful exclamation points on such an amazing story. Would you look at it? We stopped our reading in verse number 38 where he gets baptized. But look at verse 39. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. <laughs> uh, watch this just a second. This was not just something he did. It was a way of life. Can I tell you what we need? We need some people who obey the Holy Spirit every day. Look, God is good. How many of you believe God's good? But we need to be better witnesses. I want to be a better guide. I prayed today, Lord, help me be a better guide. I really want to be a better guide. I don't want to muddy the water, and I don't want to miss the divine appointments. I want to be a better guide. And notice what the Bible says at the end of verse 39. I really like this. And he went on his way rejoicing. That Ethiopian came up out of that water, and suddenly Philip was gone. That must have been something. He looked around, nobody there, just him and Jesus. But he left with joy years ago. I got on an airplane in Memphis, Tennessee one night trying to get home. I'd been in California, interestingly enough, in a meeting, and I'd spoken multiple times in a couple of days, and I was, I was tired. I was mentally, physically tired, and I got on this plane, and I, I literally thought, I hope I don't have to talk to anybody. And to my glorious awareness, I get on the plane, and there weren't a handful of people on that huge, huge jet. I went back and found my seat and sat down. There was nobody around me. I thought, thank you, Lord. We took off. I laid the thing back. I went to sleep. About 30 minutes in the flight, I woke up, and I looked around, and directly across from me was a businessman sitting, but he was the only person I could see around me. And I started just thinking about the meeting. We'd had a number of young people saved, and I was just thinking, reflecting on it all. I started doing a little reading. <laughs> and I remember sitting there, and the Holy Spirit said to me, you know, you preached to all those people about witnessing, but it's been a while since you've talked to anybody. See, preachers need preaching too. You know that, right? And I got under conviction. And so I said to the Lord, be careful what you say to the Lord. I said to the Lord, well, Lord, if you'll give me somebody, I'll, I'll talk to them. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit said, he's sitting right there. And I thought, now, Lord, I'm tired tonight. And the Holy Spirit said, you said. 
and not because I really wanted to. Out of a sense of duty, I, I reached across the aisle. I tapped him on the shoulder. I introduced myself. He spoke with a very thick accent, and I said, where are you from? He said, Persia. I said, you mean as in Iran? He said, yes. I said, what are you doing here in the United States? He, he said, I'm a dentist. And he said, I go back and forth. He said, I, I practice some there, and I practice some here. And I said, that's fascinating. He said, what do you do? And I told him, and I said to this man, I said, what, what's your religious background, as if I didn't already know? He said to me, I'm a Muslim. Of course, immediately the wheels start turning in my mind, and I'm thinking, now, Lord, I really don't want to get in an argument with this man in the middle of the night on this airplane. And before I could think of anything to say, he said to me, would you like to know the difference between my religion and your religion? And I thought, oh, brother. And this is what he said. He said, my religion has taught me all of my life from the time I was a little boy to hate my enemies. He said, but I've been reading some about your religion, sir. And he said, it seems like your religion says love your enemies. He said, I wonder what the difference is. I said, I'm glad you ask. I said, did you know I was an enemy of God? He said, no. I said, yes, I was. And I said, but even though I was an enemy of God, God loved me. And the reason we're told to love others is not because we're good. It's because God is good and God has loved us. He said, that's very interesting. I've never heard that before. I said, well, I've got a Bible right here. And I, I started showing him some verses, and we talked a little while. And About that time, I didn't realize the flight had ended, and we landed. plane touched down, and we gathered our things. We'd been talking for half an hour probably. and We're getting off the plane. We got off the plane. And I said to that man, I said, do you have another flight? He said, yes. He said, I, I have a layover. I said, I do too. I looked around the concourse where we got off, and nobody around us. Two seats over in the corner. I said, why don't we sit down and finish our conversation? He said, I've got time for you do. We sat down in the corner of that concourse and finished talking. And in, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes, that man from Iran bowed his head, I'll never forget it, and called on Jesus Christ to be his Savior. I've never forgotten it. When he said amen, he stood up and he shook my hand. And he said, I want to thank you for telling me about Jesus. He picked up his, he had a carry-on bag and a briefcase, and I watched him. We, we exchanged information, and he had to go get, get his flight, and I watched him swinging both those bags, walking down the concourse. And immediately I thought of this verse, and he went on his way rejoicing. You understand a world filled with hate, they're looking for love, and a world filled with despair, they're looking for hope, and a world filled with darkness, they're looking for light. What do they need? Somebody to guide them to God. Look at verse 40. But Philip was found at Azotus. <laughs> you see the divine humor. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. In other words, he disappeared from this man, but he showed up somewhere else. And when he got there, guess what he was doing? He was still doing the same thing. Because people who are led of the Spirit will always be used to guide others to God. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.